How's it going, sports fans, bettors, and cappers? And welcome back to the Competitive Hedge Podcast. I'm your host of the show, Kenneth Cotterell, and this is episode 203 of the show. This podcast is all about sports and the world of betting. We talk about the latest in the sports world before giving you some plays on the betting front. We have a lot to get to today. It was a busy weekend with EPL plays, as well as some FedEx Cup playoffs on the PGA side. And then we're going to cap things off with an AFC East preview featuring Jeff Hunt, our resident Dolphins fan, over at Off the Ball Network. As always, before we get into today's episode, let's hear a word from our sponsor. Before we get started with today's episode, are you looking to make some wagers? Then head over to Bet99.com. Bet99 is a Canadian sportsbook and casino that offers in-play betting, player props, a cash-out option, and many more great products. There are a variety of sports available on the website to bet on, including NHL, NBA, NFL, and MLB. Bet99 works smoothly on both desktop and mobile, and the mobile app can be downloaded from the website's homepage. Now, depositing and withdrawing funds is hassle-free with a number of well-known methods available to use so you know your money is safe and secure. The website can be viewed in both English and French, and customer service is available 24-7 with their live chat option. So go to bet99.com today to make an account. Use code SHOOTERS at signup, and please gamble responsibly. You must be 19-plus years of age to do so, and if you have questions or concerns about your gambling, or the gambling of someone close to you, contact Connex Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Now, let's get back to the show. Now, as we said during that intro, it was a busy past couple of days. We went roughly 500 on the EPL betting side of things. The $25 to $1,000 challenge unfortunately crashed out. While in theory it was a ton of fun, we are going to get back to putting out straight-up plays on the footy side, straight bets moving forward. On the PGA side, though, we went 500 this weekend, including a plus 260 cash on Chris Kirk to finish top 20. And then Lucas Glover, we only had him top 20. He goes on to win the event outright over Patrick Cantley. So it was a great weekend overall for betting, especially on the PGA side. Now we're going to head over and give you our summertime winners and losers. We're talking about some of the winners over the summer as well as some of the losers over the next month or so. And we're going to start with the winner, which today happens to be Eastern Conference contenders, not named the Philadelphia 76ers. When you have a player that goes out of their way to make a statement in another country that just so happens to be the country that absolutely can't stand the guy that you're feuding with, that is next level petty. And James Harden went there today. Sham Sharanya, you wake up at four in the morning and suddenly Shams is putting out tweets of Harden saying, trade me. And now he's lost all faith in Maury. And I don't know what exactly happened between these two. I'm sure we're going to find out in the coming days. But what I do know is the rest of the East is absolutely rejoicing right now. Boston and Milwaukee, who I would consider to be the top two teams in the Eastern Conference, got to be thrilled to see Harden potentially leaving. The defending East champs in the Miami Heat, they got to feel the exact same way. And as the East starts to narrow down its contenders list, this is all going to depend on if James Harden gets traded and if he does what the Sixers get back in return. Because you got to believe the ask for him has absolutely plummeted after this latest stunt and the decline in his play over the last couple of years. Now, when we're talking losers, you got to mention the newly promoted EPL sides because they had a horrendous start to top flight football. I mean, you just got to call it an absolute disaster. Burnley goes in on opening day, 
They get a home matchup. Unfortunately, it was against Manchester City, and it was not a great return for Vincent Company. Unfortunately, Holland's brilliance not only shone through early, but often as well. And so Manchester City picks up valuable three points right out of the gate, and Burnley already behind the eight ball. Then you've got Sheffield United. They probably got the most favorable draw there at home. They get to take on a Crystal Palace side, who we personally have as a pretty mid-tier English club this year. But they have just 33% of the possession. They lose 1-0. Very tough start to their campaign. And to cap it off, the team everyone is rooting for got absolutely drubbed against Brighton. 4-1 was the defeat for Luton Town on the road. They do get that consolation goal, which is nice, but... These sides are not going to get any easier tests moving forward. Sheffield's got to go on the road against Nottingham on Friday, while Burnley and Luton, they're going to have to wait a little bit longer because they were slated to play each other, and that's already been postponed for this weekend. So what are we going to look at today? We're going to look ahead to the BMW Championship with only two weeks left in the FedEx Cup playoffs. This is the second last event. The 50 best players over the season are going to be competing this weekend. Soccer is back, but it's not going to be back until Friday, so we'll give you some footy plays on Friday. So what can we expect from Olympia Club coming up this week? So this BMW Championship, it was introduced in 2007, but it's only taken place at Olympia Club twice since then. We've seen some great winners over the years, whether that be Keegan Bradley, Justin Rose, Tiger Woods on a casual five occasions. But at this particular venue, the defending champion here would be John Rahm. So what are you looking for in potential players this week? Well, first thing you need to know is the fact that it is that different venue. John Rahm, when he was here, only won at minus four. And at other venues, you're seeing in the minus 20 range of the winner. He knocked off Dustin Johnson in a playoff back in 2020. Now, what you can expect here is birdies are going to be tough to come by because there's only two par fives on this entire course. It's a par 70, almost 7,400 yards long. Both par fives are over 575 yards, and the majority of the par fours are going to be over 430 yards long. So ball striking and accuracy are going to be very important here. Everyone's going to be looking at driving distance. For me, it's all about accuracy and how do you hit those long irons into these greens. You also got to recognize that the field is much smaller than years past. Previous years, last week was the top 100. This week would be the top 70, and then last week's the top 30. This is a much narrower field with only 50 competing this week. So finding value is a lot tougher, which means for us, we may need to be a little bit more limited in what we're putting out. So we broke down what to look for at the event. Now it's time to actually give you our picks for the event. This Last Call pick segment is sponsored by Last Mountain Distillery. And before we dive in and give you our picks, let's play the video. So Last Mountain Distillery is family-owned and operated, located in Lumsden, Saskatchewan, the heart of grain country. Saskatchewan's first micro-distillery success lies in their commitment to producing high-quality handcrafted spirits. Their craft distilling process brings out the full flavor of the grain and leaves a smooth finish unlike any other. Check out some of their great products like their Old Fashioned. We're recording here on a Monday. We're going to be out camping over the next couple of days, and I love a good Old Fashioned sitting outside. My wife's going to be using that dill pickle caesar vodka to make some caesars as well so go check out their great products at last mountain distillery really appreciate them sponsoring the show so three picks that we have as future bets for this tournament we're going to start with patrick cantley top 10 
at minus 106 for one and a half units. Now, Cantley lost last week in a playoff to Lucas Glover. He was also T12 here in 2020, the last time the event was at Olympia Club. Now, besides being top five in the world, Cantley seems to be playing some of his best golf, and he usually does at this time of year. One of the best ball strikers on tour. He is number one in going for the green. He's the best on tour from 175 to 200 yards in, a very key distance for a lot of these par fours, and even for some of those par fives as well, depending on where drives end up. He's also second on tour in birdies per round and on par fours as well. I absolutely love Cantley this week. I think he's due for another great performance in the FedEx Cup playoffs. We're also going to give you Brian Harmon top 20 at minus 112 for a full unit. Now, Harmon, he is not only a major winner just a month ago, but he also was T12 here back in 2020. Very key. I like looking at guys who have had previous success at these clubs. Some key stats I like for Harmon this week. He's ninth on tour in par four scoring. He's number 11 in scoring average in general. He's also number one in scrambling, which on a course of this length, you're not going to hit every green, but you do need to be able to recover well when you do miss those greens. Harmon's the best on tour at doing that. This course where distance, yeah, it helps, but I think that it's huge that he can scramble. I really like Brian Harmon this week at minus 112. I think that major win has worn off a little bit and he's ready for another great finish. And then we're going to cap things off with Tony Finau, top 20 at minus 121. Finau, top five finisher here in 2020. Now, what do I like about Finau? He's 13th in the standings, two-time tour winner already this year as well. He's one of the best long iron players on tour. He is sixth in strokes gained on approach shots. He's also eighth in birdies per round. You're going to need to make a lot of birdies here, especially knowing that we could have lower scores this week. And given his need to play well for the Ryder Cup, I like his chances this week to finish well and prove to team captain Zach Johnson that he deserves one of those spots. So we really appreciate everyone who gave the show a listen today. This is part one of this episode. We now have the AFC East preview with Jeff Hunt, but be sure to go check out our sponsors as well as join the Cook the Books Discord as well. That's where we post a lot of our plays. It's in the episode description. Plenty of winners coming out of there as well, not just for me, but some from some of the better betters that I know. So definitely go check out that Discord. We're to part two as we chat with Jeff Hunt about the AFC East, and we even give you some future bets and potential predictions for this division moving forward. Welcome back to the Competitive Hedge Podcast. We are here first day talking about the 2023-24 NFL season, and we're talking NFL divisions today. Now, we're going to start in the AFC, start in the East, as you typically do. But I couldn't do this division breakdown all on my own. I had to bring in one of the heavy hitters at Off the Ball Network, VP over there. He's He hates running backs, but he loves the Dolphins. So I couldn't think of a better guy to bring on to chat AFC East. That's Jeff Hunt. Jeff, how are you doing? How's your summer been going? Uh, actually, it's great. Um, I, I dedicated myself to enjoy this summer, do as much as I can, all the activities. I just went golfing. Um, it was, you know, and remembered how much I hate the sport um, <laughs> and things like that. I've been camping, I've been biking, I've been, you know, everything you could imagine. But it's funny because as we record this, this is the, you know, the Hall of Fame game, which, you know, for a lot of your listeners probably, you know, wouldn't have any idea. It's about an hour and a half from my house where they're playing the Hall of Fame game as we speak. So this is football country, um, you know, 
I get, I'm getting a ton of Buckeyes questions right now. The Browns fans are figuring out how they're going to win the Super Bowl as usual. Uh, it's an exciting time. I appreciate you asking me on the show, and uh, it's been it's been fun digging into this subject. And uh, I'm probably more excited about the season, considering how early in August it is, than I should be. Yeah, I noticed a lot of people on the timeline today on Twitter saying how excited they were for preseason football to be back, <laughs> despite the fact that preseason, especially the first week, has to oh, be one of the. It's, it's so awful. bad. I mean, you're going to watch Zach product. Wilson. <laughs> you're going to watch just a lot yeah. of guys that aren't going to make rosters, and you know they're they're obviously fighting for their lives out there in games like this. Yeah. And for the typical football fan, you don't see a lot of over underlines at 34 points. Yeah, but NFL. what 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 I will say is though, like there's somebody there's there's a group out there watching every player in this game, yeah. and it's the it's the most important game of their entire lifetime. I remember, you know, we had a kid that graduated from high school just up the road here, you know, just ahead of my son. He got one shot at an NFL preseason. People would have watched that game. It would have went, it would have came and went, but like for, you know, we'll say a few thousand people, it's the biggest moment of their lives. So like, that's what I would say. If you, if you don't know how to watch a game and hole in the preseason, Focus on one, you know, position, focus on one player and watch how they do, because this is the most, this is the most important thing that they've ever done in their entire lives. Yeah. And it's a lot easier to see in the more skill positions because um, you see a lineman out there and you have no idea. You yeah. You don't know what they were told. To, right. Most people probably couldn't name their starting offensive line. Like, right. let's face it. It's just not a position that's glamorized. Even sometimes their defensive line at that. But there's a lot of guys out there that are fighting for jobs. So uh, wishing all of them the best of luck as yeah. we've got 13 to nothing Jets as we uh, report. Okay, right okay. So, Jets are going to win it all, apparently. <laughs> Jet, Jets are winning it all because yeah. of the one preseason game yeah. on the road in August. Aaron so. Rodgers probably wearing a tank top. <laughs> it's it's warm in Ohio right now. Like, so you might be in a tank top. So speaking of the Jets, we're, we're talking about their division here today. They were at the bottom of that division last year. Um, quick recap of 2022 for this division. So you had the Bills kind of ran away with it. Injuries played a bit of a factor in that with Miami, but they win the division 13 and three. Finns go nine and eight. Patriots eight and nine, and then the Jets go seven and ten. But not a lot of noise made in the playoffs. Obviously, the Bills knocked out the Dolphins, and then they went on to lose to the Bengals in the divisional round. So Jeff, you're the fan of the division. What were your thoughts on on the Dolphins, the division as a whole last year? Um, and how it all ultimately played out. Yeah, over, overall, it was it was really cool because it kind of took me back. You know, I grew like when I say I grew up, like my heyday of like really seeing the division was in the '90s with Marino and Kelly. Uh, you know, the Jets weren't too bad and things like that. So it kind of kind of started bringing all that back. So for like almost two decades, the Patriots just kind of ran the division. The other teams were also rans. I mean, the Dolphins haven't had a quarterback in like. 20 plus years now so last year was really cool like josh allen's the real deal buffalo bills are the real deal like it made me dislike them again but also appreciate how good they were uh there was a stretch where the dolphins look like the best team in football um the everybody knows the tua story you know the concussions and everything whatever you think of it we'll just we'll just put it this way too it wasn't on the field for a lot of the seasons which was tough people got crazy about the jets you know, personnel and, and skill positions and defense and all that. Zach Wilson at this, at this point is kind of a, um, you know, an afterthought in the NFL. I don't know what else to say. They, that was just, that didn't work out. You know, I never want to yeah. be hard on a kid. 
And then it was nice to see the Patriots take a step back because we thought we thought when you know Mac Jones stepped in, we're like, you got to be kidding me! All they had to do was <laughs> replace Tom Brady, and then now they're right back up there, you know, in in 2020, and then or in 2021, sorry. And then we, they kind of took a step back to where we thought they would be. Division was really good. The Dolphins with a backup quarterback took the Bills, you know, you know, to the tenth or tenth or twelfth round, so to speak, in the playoffs. Uh, that was exciting. So then we knew something was on the board. Um, so as a whole, it was very good football, very competitive football. And I think this is the season. This that set up this season. I would say the Bills came away disappointed. Dolphins came away like, okay, you know, this is legit. Patriots have some questions we're going to talk about. And then the Jets obviously turned everything upside down and, you know, went and got Aaron Rodgers. But as a whole, this is one of the one of, if not the most competitive and also not just competitive, but also best divisions in football. Yeah, given I'm a Cowboys fan, but I grew up a half hour from Buffalo. I was very familiar with five and 11, six and 10 Buffalo for 15 years that I lived there. And Miami had a couple stretches where they were all right. And same with the Jets, but it was primarily the Patriots that ran the division for a long time. And so I do like the changing of the guard. It does feel like, at least from a betting odds perspective, because it's a betting show, I mean, they have the worst (laughs) odds to win the division. So they're they're kind of viewed as a distant fourth in this division. Although when you look at the records from last year, it indicates that they're still a competitive football team. And, And Belichick still is a good coach in this league as much as people love to to crown Tom Brady and he's the whole reason like coaching goes into it as well and I think he's shown yeah um that he's keeping a what I would consider probably a bottom 10 roster top to bottom competitive and so that's good to see I think that's why it's one of the best divisions in football if not the best as you said because every division game is going to be competitive it feels like and you love to see that in football and so Let's chat about that team that finished first in the division, that being the Buffalo Bills. So 13-3, and they're the favorites to win the division once again. They're plus 121 there. Interesting offseason for them. They went out and added another tight end, um, despite the fact that Josh Allen and Dawson Knox seemed to have a great connection. Now it's sounding like Dalton Kincaid in, in training camp. And this is actually my favorite part of the football season, actually, is all of the training camp rumors and all yeah. the guys that are looking like stars. And, and this guy's going to be getting a huge target share. And then you get to week one and then they get, you know, three receptions for 21 yards. And you're like, oh, okay. So that was just all, all smoke throughout the summertime. But interesting moves by then. They did bring in Damian Harris and Latavius Murray to kind of shore up the running back position a bit. They did let Singletary walk. So not that Buffalo's truly prioritized the running game over the last couple of years. They've been a very pass-heavy offense. So what do you think of, of Buffalo's offseason? Do you think they've – because for me, they're still that step behind Kansas City and, and Cincy. I think we've seen that the last couple of years. Just those teams have elevated to a point where they feel like the two best teams in the conference. Do you think that Buffalo's made enough moves to to really contend with those two teams? Like, What are your thoughts with Buffalo? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, the more I looked at it, the more I thought about it. Everything that happened to Buffalo late in the season, um, you don't want to blame everything on injuries, but like Josh Allen got injured last year. Like yeah. a lot of people forget that. Just like with Mahomes. Like nobody's gonna remember that Mahomes was injured last year, but he won the Super Bowl, so that doesn't matter. Uh Allen was injured. 
and you know it really affected the game uh you know i i've i've said this since the cincinnati game buffalo's home field advantage beat them in the playoffs last year if they play cincinnati in you know new orleans dome i think they win that game but they you know they're built you know especially early season you know they're going to stretch they're going to stretch you they're going to be faster allen can throw it anywhere you know on the planet you know if if you're if you're within the confines of the stadium like you can catch a touchdown and it caught up with them they had a terrible snowy game you know cincinnati was more mentally prepared uh buffalo's running game wasn't prepared for that josh allen's you know probably the, almost it feels like the last 5 or 6 weeks of the season the the underneath game just kind of vanished and just everything just worked against him. Like, I think that was the worst version of Buffalo. And I even said that when they, they they lost that terrible game to Miami. I was so happy about, you know, Miami beating them. Allen should have easily made that pass. And, you know, Buffalo wins. Miami, who knows if they even make the playoffs, blah, blah, blah. So I I like what Buffalo did. What what Essentially what they did was said, every and this is what we've kind of saw every team's done, just get us a handful of running backs we give the threat of a running game, keep the defense honest. You know, if they mess around, we'll take six yards, get, get a few tight ends so we can run. Like if you want to run 21 personnel or even 22 personnel, but you still got guys out there and then you got Allen out there. And if, and if Allen is healthy and can just play behind the chains a little bit, I know that sounds crazy to tell a quarterback, like you need to kind of learn to dink and dunk, you know, to fight these games out. And I would imagine if, you know, I'm sitting here and Ken is sitting here and we see what the Bills need to do, that I would imagine all that they've done is work on like clock management and and grinding out five or six yards of play. That's that that's the only thing they were missing late in the season. Um, I really do think that the Bills didn't panic. Uh, they got a few guys healthy on defense, um, you know, the, the defense ought to be a little better. The one the note I had about the Bills is like, let, let's get a little more creative. Let's take a little more chances. Let's tr- let, like, cause when it got to Joe Burrow, like they were just kind of standing there and this happened two years ago against Kansas city in the famous overtime game. They just kind of stood there and hoped that Mahomes would make a mistake. Well, they, Mahomes and Burrow don't make those mistakes. They take advantage yeah. of them. And so I think this year the defense is going to be a little more active. You know, they got a defensive coach. A lot of people forget that. Allen, I think, has just learned. He feels like a guy that learns. Uh, he's done nothing but show that he learns from experience. So I really think the Bills are, you know, again, I do these previews on assuming everybody's going to be healthy, which they're yeah. not, at the <laughs> end of the season. I do absolutely think the Bills can take that next step. Um, honestly, like, if they're the away team <laughs> – yeah, you know, I think they may even have a better chance. I think that 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 game just killed them in the snow. But I like what the Bills have done. I think they've just they put guys in. They didn't panic. They didn't overpay. They didn't go out for DeAndre Hopkins. You know, things like that. Yeah. They're like, no, let's let's build a stable. I, I think they're as much as I hate to say it. I think they're a little more prepared for the postseason coming up this this year. I would agree there as well. One thing that I I really took note of was I think we're going to get a good barometer throughout the entire season of where Buffalo's at because of the way that the schedule is played out for them. Because they get the Jags week five. So you're a month into the season. Who knows how they start? Maybe they start hot and then they run into the Jags. Maybe they're a bit slow and then they run into them. But that's a good, okay, where are we at? Then you get week nine against Cincy. So again, 
You get a few more games under yep. your belt, then you get Cincy, then you get Kansas City late in the year, uh, week 14, and then you've got a Chargers game late in the year as well. So yeah. all the teams that they are probably going to have to go through, we're going to get to see them take them on. And Kenneth, just to touch on that real quick, since we're doing the AFC, the AFC East plays the NFCs this year too. I think that's giant. Yeah. We're, you know, so we're talking like everybody's playing Philly, everybody's playing Dallas, so and so forth. Yeah. So like, you know, this division that doesn't really have any weeks off this year. Like I, I'm glad you're your schedule guy. Like I am, like I look at schedules as much as I look at anything and I'm like, woof, these teams, they kind of have a gauntlet like new England. When we get to talk to them, like, woof. Well, when you think about it, you think of the four teams that I just named, and then you get Dallas and Philly, there's six. Yeah. And then we haven't even talked about the division games, the division okay. games. Even even you include New England in there because we talked about how competitive they are. Yes. That's twelve out of your seventeen games yep. you're tested. At, Which at means worst. you're not only tested. That's injuries. That's mental. Yep. That's and the thing that you know really gets overlooked in the NFL is that when you have a schedule like this, that means that your coach can't focus two weeks down the road. He has to focus yeah. on the week ahead of him as to where if you have a better, like Philadelphia was a perfect example last year. Like they yeah. could really focus on the next game or they could skip a couple games ahead. And they that were really, looking ahead to Dallas two, 100%. three weeks ahead because it's like, well, we got Washington in there and we've got hundred yeah, percent. And that is such a benefit because like everybody forgets like, yeah, we look at the head coach, we look at Belichick and all that. There's, there's 10 guys just breaking down film and trying to come up with tendencies that they have to focus on. Like you said, 12 teams instead of maybe eight. And so that is a giant difference. And we saw that kind of catch up with the AFC West last year. It's we were kind of having the same conversation about the AFC West last year as we are the AFC East this year. It's also why I agree with you on Buffalo potentially taking that next step because when you play a schedule like that and you don't have those weeks off, you're going to be battle-tested all year long. And then when you get to the playoffs, then you probably feel a lot yes. more ready than, hey, we, we closed out the season, we played we played the Colts, and then we got the Steelers, and now we're in the playoffs. That, you that, feel a lot better about it. 100%. Look at Cincinnati and Baltimore, how tough they were when the playoffs you know, got there last year because they had been beaten up and, and tested and all those things. And then look at Philadelphia, the opposite when he got to Kansas city, like in the super bowl, that was the first time in a long time to where they were hitting the mouth and they were almost good enough. Who knows if they would have played, you know, a super tough team in week 13, 14 or 15, like how they would have handled it as to where the Chiefs had been with the you know through the Bengals and so on and so forth. Exactly what you're saying. Whoever comes out of the AFC East, I know one thing: they're going to be ready for the playoffs if they're dependent on health. For sure. And I think as long as Allen takes care of the ball a little bit more, I mean, 14 yeah. picks is a bit high for him. I expect him to rein that in. Um, That's too many for a guy that throws that many passes. Yes, I, I think he just he took a lot of chances because. Yeah. He felt like Mahomes, remember the Mahomes year of interceptions, and then he corrected it. You get a little bit cocky knowing that you can hang 28 yes. points on a team in a quarter, and then you start taking chances, and then it's like, that's the thing are, of, what's that throw? That's the thing about the Bills last year. Their passing offense was so good. People forget their running offense was actually ranked pretty high, and their defense was actually pretty good, but their their passing offense was so high. You think that like, oh, they didn't do the other two things. No, they that Buffalo was a complete team last year. They actually yeah. did everything really well. Yep. They just ran in 
it, I mean, at the, at the wrong time in the wrong place in the wrong weather against the wrong dude against Cincinnati last year. For sure. So let's talk about your team, team that was second in the division last year. They got out to the hot start. We are already alluded to to Tua and the concussion issues, and, and I really hope that he stays healthy this year. Yeah. Um, you never want to see, especially at the quarterback position, but the concussions um, that can happen in the league. And I mean, when he's out there, that duo of Hill and Waddle was a ton of fun to watch. One of my favorite games from last year was that Baltimore and Miami game because oh. they kind of just they just kept trading horrendous secondary yeah. plays that allowed receivers to, to yes. bust out some big gains and touchdowns. But um, the big thing with you guys, Jalen Ramsey coming into the secondary, looks like he's going to be a little bit banged up to start the year. Yeah. And then new defensive coordinator there as well. So what do you think of Miami? As you said, you go into every year assuming that teams are staying healthy. So with a healthy Tua, Ooh. what do you think of this? Miami team. They're really good. And that's the thing about Miami. They're deeper than just, you know, Waddle and Hill mm-hmm. and Tua. Like what what people are over. No, I shouldn't say people are overlooking. Like, why wouldn't what like nobody's out there studying Miami Dolphins, you know, but that's why we're doing this show. Their defense is super talented. So what I like about what Miami has done is they built what I call a modern NFL team. Like, like outside of Ramsey. They have a lot of young, athletic, you know, like football players, and they they've quietly put a potentially great defense on the field. The defense was okay last year. Ramsey, even like even when Ramsey comes back, Ramsey is going to be able to play like inside corner or slot corner or whatever you got, you know, whatever people want to call it. It's not a nickelback anymore. I just had this conversation on Twitter, <laughs> but like the the outside guys can cover really well. Um, you know, the safeties are really good. The, you know, the linebackers, linebackers are what they are. Now you got maybe two linebackers, uh, you know, Phillips is, you know, fantastic. Wilkins is good. Like the Miami defense could be really good. The offense, you know, is going to kind of take care of itself. Like they're going to run a million crossing patterns. Uh, what I like best is like McDaniel did so many good things last year for a first year head coach. It's, it's been, it was awesome to watch. And again, if me and Kenneth are sitting here saying they need to do A, B, and C, McDaniels is doing A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. Um, I think that he's put a a collection of running backs and offensive linemen together to be able to replicate some of the San Francisco stuff. So yeah. here's the best the best comparison I could come up with. We said we've said for maybe the last five years with the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, I don't know how many times we said if quarterback a played for San Francisco, they would be awesome. Well, (laughs) the dolphins are essentially that like they are like a, 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 kind of slightly different version, but a talented version of San Francisco, but they have quarterback a, they have Tua. like, and if we're going to assume a healthy Tua, like for, for five weeks last year, he was literally by stats, next gen, whatever, the best quarterback in the NFL. I understand, I understand I have issues with him protecting himself and learning how to play like that. But then again, that's what I'm saying. Like if I know that and you know that, and the whole world knows that I would assume that Tua has spent, you know, the entire off season being like, learn how to play safer as to where, but you know, some guys have it like Mayfield hasn't learned how to play safe. You know, some of these guys have it. Tua is an average quarterback. He's good enough. I don't think, He's the future of the Miami Dolphins, but I also think that 
if things go right, he could take this team to a Super Bowl. And I'm not even exaggerating by that. Like, once once you really start looking up and down the roster, you're like, man, that guy's fast and smart. That guy's fast and smart. And like, holy cow! Like, you know, everything's coming together. They play a lot of like fair weather games, you know, so that they have the speed advantage. Yes. If you tell me they go, they go into Cincinnati and it's snowing in January. Well, then guess what? I think they're probably going to lose, but if they can avoid that, um, they're, they're really talented. Like this is a really talented roster. Um, I'm, I'm very impressed as a fan of the roster that they built and how many guys on it, you know, are interchangeable and, and can really, can really make a difference. And, uh, it, it could be awesome. Yeah, I would agree that what I like about the defense is you called them fast and athletic. Like for me, it's it's a playmaker's defense. Yes, but they're also fundamentally sound. And because they don't, I don't see a true weakness on this defense. I think that it's it's very you're really, good. You're, you're really right. I mean, maybe it, they're average at linebacker. I I mean, yeah. it's but but I think when you make up for it with a really good pass rush and a secondary that's yes. going to be tough to throw on. I think you can kind of plug and in the backers and be okay. And assuming and assuming you're going to score points. Like yeah. that's a huge thing for the defense too, is assuming the other team is going to constantly be thinking about scoring points helps your pass rush. Well, and that's the thing. And then I started going through even some of the weapons outside of Waddle and Hill. Yeah. Cedric Wilson, yep. Braxton Berrios, guys that you can plug in and also have a ton of speed and yep can play the slot really and then, well. And then, and, like I say, this season ought to be when they start implementing some of these, like the H back and the, you know, the, the different personnel and, and that, that was stuff they didn't really touch on last year. You know, that was, you know, McDaniels is like, let's just keep throwing to the super fast guys and let, let's see what happens this year. I think you'll really start seeing like some of the, some of the stuff you saw in San Francisco that really keeps teams on their hip on their heels. Imagine if Tyreek Hill played for the 49ers, you know, yeah. the last couple of years, like he might catch five passes, but they'd all be touchdowns. Like yeah. that, that's the potential that this Dolphins team has. Like, you know, I, I hate like, you know, I look at it as an, I look at it as a fan. I'm like, nah, that'll never happen. I look at it as a, you know, an outsider. I'm like, Oh, this team's loaded. Yeah. And the only loss that I saw that that I think could hurt you guys a little bit was Gasicki at tight end. I loved the looks that he got red zone wise. And I th- I'm a, I'm assuming that was a money thing. Yeah. And I don't know they didn't use him last year. I I don't understand the Gasicki thing from last year. Like I really I was like that guy is a weapon. Um, and we'll talk about a, the team that got him you know here in a yeah. minute. But uh, that never made sense to me either. Um, I, I I just I love. I love having a talented tight end in the red yeah. zone. I think that in the league today, how much yep. you look at what they do with Kittle, with Andrews, with Kelsey, I know that he's not that caliber of guy, but at the same time, we see Dawson Knox being used by Buffalo yep. a lot in the red zone and Fryermuth in, in Pittsburgh. And I just think that he's a guy that they really could have used there. Who knows? Maybe Smythe steps in. Maybe he's the guy that's that's going to be that I'm, five yeah. touchdown guy in the red zone. Like he's not going to go for you know, 800 yards, but does he go for 400 yards and five touchdowns? The potential's there. To yeah. To me, to me, I thought Jusecki could be like a, a Kittle type um, or, or whatever, but I, I'm guessing it just came to a money thing. Yeah. I literally think that it was like, we recognize how good he is, but production based, it was kind of a money ball situation as to where like, 
we just have to let him go. Um, they 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 wasted him last year, and I I really don't. He's actually a pretty good blocker too. Yeah, he, he really is. is a physical guy. Um, I thought he fit well. Who knows? It might have been maybe he liked Twizzlers instead of Red Vines <laughs> in the locker. Like honestly, like I yeah. don't think anybody has the answer on why that didn't work there because he seemed no. like the perfect guy for a young quarterback in that offense, and it just. And it, you can ask fantasy players all around the world. They're like, what happened after like week three? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I still don't know, but um, it is I, what I, it is. At this point. I, I did love your Twizzlers reference there because one of the funniest thing that I find in podcasting is when the f- casual fan tells you why a guy left, despite it not being reported. <laughs> and they go, yeah. no, no, no. Like, it's pretty obvious that he left because he doesn't like playing in 38 degree heat. And it's like, in what no. world do you, could you possibly know that? So I, I think it was. There. I think it was no more than like if we want to get player A, we can't keep player B. Uh, I don't. I think it's. I you think have to make tough personnel decisions. I think that's all. Don't understand it, it. I know everybody's like, oh, they must not like him. Like, no, you can't keep everybody. This isn't Major League Baseball to where you can keep everybody. Like you like. paid Tyreek last year. You brought in Jalen Ramsey. At a certain point, there's probably going to be a guy that's yeah. the odd man out, and may, maybe that's the reason why. Who who knows? why he left yeah really honestly who knows that that is the one the one guy that i i don't get but again he's moved on and it doesn't matter now i think he's i think he's definitely in a better place yeah i would agree so him for him the team that finished last in the division last year but has the second best odds this year of winning this division is the jets which it's crazy to say that with with the jets and and just it's weird it, it it's a weird thing to say but they went out, they landed the splash of the offseason. They got Aaron Rodgers. All we heard last year was, well, if they didn't have Zach Wilson, then they're going to win 10, 11, 12 games. Okay, well, now you have multiple-time MVP, a Super <laughs> yeah. Bowl winner coming through the door. And let's see how it's going to look because the weapons are certainly there, and a lot of his old pals are joining them. Um, we've got Garrett Wilson, obviously the Ohio State product. Um, and then you've got Randall Cobb, you've got Corey Davis, you've got McCall Hardman, Alan Lazard, a lot of pretty good guys. And I'd be a lot more excited for that lineup if it was 2018, but we're in 2023. (laughs) So we'll see what those weapons look like. And then you've got Michael Carter and Brees Hall in the backfield. You've got Conklin Uzama. So he's got some options there. there. There's definitely a lot there on the offense, but the focal point of this team last year was that defense. And they even went out in the first round and added Will McDonald, a linebacker. So they're clearly committed to being one of the better defensive teams in football. And to be honest, the, the matchup that I'm most excited for in this division will be Jets and Dolphins. Because I think that we've got two really good defenses. Yeah. As long as both QBs are healthy, let's let's see them match up. I think that's going to be a ton of fun to see. So with Rodgers heading there, he's kind of been... <laughs> He's been a character the last number of years, yeah. and he's he's obviously on Pat McAfee every single week. And, you know, now he's he had the whole vaccine stuff. Now he's heading to the Jets. What are we expecting from Aaron Rodgers at this juncture of his career? Because he wasn't great last year. A lot of people love to blame it on he didn't have weapons. Is it a he's just starting to get to that point? Or what do you think about the Jets? No, I'm with you. And, and it's funny because we're kind of on the same page here as how we look a little deeper than just like, you know, whatever, watching first take and then making the, like Rogers, like in a, in a lot of the analytics was 
really bad at quarterback last year, like worse than he's ever been. One of the, in some of the really like the pressure situations and some other things, really one of the, in, in the bottom of the league. And, you know, again, it's, it's hard for people to be like, I don't know. All I know is Aaron Rodgers, one of the best quarterbacks ever. Yeah. But we're talking about 2023. Um, I've, I've said this for a few years. He doesn't, he, he doesn't look like a guy who physically, and I'm just like, I'm just literally being like, you know, up front here. He doesn't look like a guy who physically is like outsmarting father time. Like he looks like an almost 40 year old quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a little thinner, um, you know, just in his face and everything. Like when we saw Tom Brady, like, okay, he's just, he's just figured it out. He, or LeBron James is a great example of like, okay, this guy just is doing, he's, he's, He's putting in a little bit extra to, you know, to stick around. Rogers doesn't look like that guy. Um, and I never, I don't like to question someone's integrity, but I really don't know if he cares that much. If the jets win a super bowl as, as people want him to care. Like if I'm a jets fan, <laughs> like I don't think he went there to win a super bowl. Would he, would he be happy to do it? Fine. But I don't think he is going to like, leave it all on the field to get the New York jets to that next level. It it feels like one of these things like, you know, Kenneth, you're a huge NBA guy, just like I am. It feels like one of these transitions to where like, you know, the guy goes to the next team and you're like, Oh my gosh. And then mid season, we're like, why are they at 500? Like, you know, whether it's James Harden, whether it's even some of the, you know, some of the stuff Durant, you know, Westbrook, like all these guys are like, Oh, just, you know, like, I don't, what did they save him from? Like Green Bay was a good team. They, they always put a good team around him. He didn't get it done. He's the only quarterback. And I know I beat this to death in our chat room. Like, like he, 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 he kind of like doesn't achieve what he's expected to. I'm trying not to say like fail or whatever. Yeah. And people were like, nah, it's definitely not his fault. Mm-hmm. And then, so he's, I, you, yes. know what, you know what I think about Rodgers? So you pointed out. I would love to hear what you think about Rodgers. I don't care about going to win a Super Bowl. I think he cares more about going and winning a league MVP and sticking it to Green Bay than he cares about actually yes. winning the Super Bowl. Because yeah. for him, he could win league MVP this year, and then they go out in the divisional round. But then Green Bay is going to win five or six games, and he's going to be like, see, you should have kept me. But, but, but if you're Green Bay – yeah, you did what you did here for the last 10 years, but then what what does what's showing for yes, it? Like your individual sure. accolades are piling up, but for a quarterback that you often hear is a top five talent, if not top five quarterback, to have one Super Bowl and all those league MVPs, you start to just say, Well, well, what is Aaron Rodgers' legacy? Is it he was just a phenomenal thrower of the football, but he didn't commit to winning? Like, like what is it? Because why, 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 yeah, why can't we ask that? Like that, that's the thing. I don't think that's an unfair question to ask because we're not calling his like I just said he's a top five talent, if oh, not yeah, top five all time. So we think that he's really good, but then what? Like, what's been the issue? Because when you get to that many NFC championships. Now Green Bay ditches you. They didn't give you weapons when you were there. Weapons when you were there, yeah. despite the fact that you played your career with 
Greg Jennings and Donald Driver and and Jordy Nelson and Devontae Adams. And sure, maybe you made some of those guys And for the record, Watson is a really good wide receiver that they went and got last year. Like, that's the one that really – that's when I realized that Rodgers was kind of full of it because, you know, after the draft of – that would have been the 21 draft or 22 draft, and he was like, okay, that's it, I'm done or whatever. I'm like, Watson's – halfway through the season, it started clicking. Watson is a – like, in two years, we're going to be talking about Watson as, like, a amazing receiver. You know what it was for me with Christian Watson? It was he dropped that touchdown pass really early in the season. Yep. And Rodgers looked at him like, you yep. got to be kidding me. Like, he doesn't care that his rookie just had probably one of the more embarrassing plays for him in his entire life. And he's not like, you'll get him next time. It's, you better catch that ball next time. Yep. And like, that's just the, that's a differing mentality. Like, I know and that he's Brady, going to a whole new team. He's going to a whole team. Yeah. Like, I know you, like you say, he brought his buddies in, and which is good. Like, I, I, I like some I of the still guys. I think Lazard has something. I don't think that I Cobb think Lazard's a good yeah. receiver. Yeah. But that's the whole thing, though. Like, you know why we don't think Lazard's a good receiver? Because Rodgers told us he wasn't, essentially, yeah. without saying, you know, like, but like, why do we think that he's going to go to a team and this team's going to gravitate around him? And he's, he's never shown that he takes his, his personnel to the next level. Like he, there's been no season where he drug a team to the Super Bowl, like we no. saw Brady do. Um, now he's going to an offensive line. If we're going to talk to football here, his offensive yeah. line's a little sketchy, have trouble staying healthy. That's not really a cohesive unit. That is a bad combination, you know, for a 38 year quarterback that we don't know how much he cares about, like taking that extra hit or making that extra yeah. play or all that. Like, I'm not scared to question you know, all the intangibles of Rodgers like other people are. Like, yes, do I understand for like five years he was the best quarterback I ever watched? Yeah, that's not – we're not here. We're talking yeah. about 2023. We're 2023, not 2018. I know like, he's going to – like, do I think he cares more about being on like what he says on the podcast after the game than I do the game? Yes, I really do. I, I think he, he relishes going on the show to talk about that one throw that everyone's like, wow, Rodgers, what what a off yeah. his back foot into the corner. Yeah. And then he just loves he loves going on there and explaining to you why it was such a smart play and all the <laughs> yeah. things that, that broke down and why that throw that he made was so incredible. Yeah. But to be fair, as much as the media's gotten on him, they also completely bailed him out for everything last everything. year. Everything. Because I watched that Lions game where oh. they lost, and oh. he threw that interception on about the three-yard line, and he threw it directly into the lineman's hands, and yet it was somehow his tight end's fault for not getting out quick enough out of the break so that way he didn't throw it directly into his arms when it's like, no, 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 Rodgers underthrew him by six yards, and then that's why it got picked, but we're giving him a pass, and then he throws three picks, they lose the game, and it's, well, you know, Rodgers, he just doesn't have Devontae anymore. And it's like, but you told us for years that Rodgers is just so good that he doesn't he yeah. doesn't need those guys. He'll he'll turn anyone into, you know, a top five receiver. Yeah. And it just wasn't the case. And, and, and looking back, he was he, he might have been fortunate to have Devontae and to have Jordy Nelson and those guys. And the thing is though, like he doesn't feel like the guy at his age 
trust me because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm older than him, but I get what it feels like to get older. He doesn't feel like the guy that's like, Oh no, all I do is I sleep 10 hours a day. I, I, I drink nothing, but like kale, you know, milkshakes, you know, so on and so forth to do all these tiny little things to keep an aging guy around. He, he doesn't look like it. He doesn't act like it. So I'm like, that catches up to you because like this 21 year old guy coming off the edge does not care that you're Aaron Rodgers. He wants, he wants he to relishes your, the fact that you're Aaron he Rodgers. wants to end your career and he's in a division that has a lot of those guys. Yeah. You know, you know, like Von Bell does not care that you're Aaron Rodgers. These dolphins cannot wait to get a hold of you. The Buffalo Bills like cannot wait. Like they're excited to have they're not they're not scared. They they like you said, they cannot wait to have the chance to blast you on, you know, national TV. Um I think I think this is a team, you know, we'll get to it when you do, we're do our standings. I think this team's fine. I think it's a good team. Yeah. I, I think it was a little overhyped last year. I think they kind of fell into this category of like a team that played a lot of close games, so they got a lot of extra credit. We see that yeah. a lot in the NFL. Yeah. Like, oh, man, this well, all this talent, blah, blah, blah. Like, yes, that's true, but that's pretty much every team. So I think they, they got they, a, they call them moral victories on Monday and then yes. you say, okay, but at the end of the day, they're four and eight. It's, it's a so, loss. So what, what's the, what's the moral here? Like, like what's your victory that you yes. kept it close with the team? Because in the NFL, they don't care about you keeping it close. They care about, did you get to 10 That's wins? All that matters. A hundred percent. So they kind of fell into that category. So right now they're the darlings. Sauce Gardner is a, is a good cornerback. They're going a little over. He's not Daryl Green. He's not Deion Sanders yet. He's a second year cornerback that people have tape on. Um, he's kind of, I put him in kind of that, that Josh Norman category of where like he, I understand how phenomenal he looked, but like everybody's got weaknesses. You know what I mean? This yeah. is just this. And, and plus your cornerbacks not holding the defense together. Like, yes, this defense is good. Mm-hmm. I understand a lot of, you know, just like we talked about with the dolphins and if nothing else, I think their defense, probably the personnel is probably a year away from being really good. If you tell me next year, you know, they're one of the best in the league. I absolutely believe it. But um, everybody just is kind of going crazy because just like you said, the Jets had a lot of close games. So they're like, oh, if they just had a different quarterback, like we'll see because the Packers had that quarterback and they weren't in the playoffs either. Well, and they had a couple games like really go their way down the stretch. Too. Oh, yeah. So it's yeah, they went seven and ten. Yeah. Could it have been nine and eight if they had better quarterback play? It also could have been five and twelve. Yeah, because they had a couple of those games. I don't think their, their coaching staff is great i don't i'm not sure i'm all i'm not all in on the the raw raw guy as your head Colin coach Hackett, yeah yeah i i under like i i think he's a good coach but like when that guy's your head coach like it's kind of an all or nothing thing so like yeah he gets him like we have never really saw seen that coach especially in the last like couple decades really take a team over the top it's yeah. typically the Sean Payton's, you know, it's the Belichick's, the cerebral, like forget about the last play, get on to the next one. It's not, it's not the like get the guys pumped up, slapping helmets coach anymore. Um, so we'll one, st- one last point we'll on stay. the Jets too. Um, Cause we were just chatting about sauce Gardner. One thing that I loved about their schedule is if he is as good as he's been crowned this off season, then we're going to know this year. Oh, you're going to find out. When you look at his wide receiver matchups that he's going to have every single week, 
He opens with Diggs, then he goes to CD Lamb, then he's got AJ Brown one week, then he's got Keenan Allen, then he's got Ooh. Devontae Adams, then he's got Tyreek and Waddle. Like that is a gauntlet. He's even yeah. late in the year, you get Cleveland with Amari Cooper. Like, we're gonna see, okay, how good is Sauce Gardner? Because yes, he was all pro as a rookie, he looked phenomenal. Let's see what it's gonna look yep. like against all of these top guys. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen some of the stats on like the quarterbacks that like the the uh, Jets beat last year, and it's like it's not a, it's not great. Like no. um, a lot they of won the games that they should. But again, that's how it's going to be this year. Like right now, we're assuming whatever week thirteen, two is healthy. Blah blah blah. Like it's probably not going to be that way. Like so, that's how. But again, we you can't do your prognostications based on like oh wait this guy's going to be injured this week and blah blah blah. Like I, I'm sh- I'll be shocked if every quarterback in this this uh, conference plays every game of the year just because of the gauntlet and the NFC East, you know, coming through like that, that, that can't be overlooked of, you know, those extra tough games that they got to play. The schedules are brutal. That they are. And then the last team, and this is the one that I alluded to at the start of, I don't really know what to expect out of this group. And that being the new England Patriots, they're plus eight twenty to win the division. They're 29 to 1 to win the conference. I, I highly yeah, suggest that you don't go down that yeah, road um, unless you just love burning your money. So I looked at this team, and you and I chatted before we went live. I don't pay attention typically to the offseason until it hits August 1st, and then I start doing my mock drafts for fantasy, and I start looking at some of these rosters. And then you look at some of the names that moved and New England once again just put together such an interesting cast of guys, whether it be Juju, whether it be Gasicki, they've, they've got um, <laughs> Jabril Peppers in the secondary. Like it's it's a weird group, but it's one that almost went 500 last year, um, had the the worst play of the NFL season last year. 100%. <laughs> One of the worst plays in history. Yeah, that that rivals butt fumble and that rivals the Colts hutting it to yeah, it's it's up there for sure as far as boneheaded plays. But then you look at their draft, pretty pretty Belichick esque as usual. No, no skill players. It was a corner in the first. It was a D end in the second. They're hanging on to is Mac Jones a guy in this league? Um, he missed a little bit of time. We saw a bit of Bailey Zappi, which it was kind of funny to watch. Patriots fans get so excited for Bailey Zappi for a couple weeks, and then they're like, he should be our starter. And oh, they love like, a scrappy white guy. They're, they like, they're like, no, Doug Flutie's not uh, not Bailey Zappi 2.0 <laughs> coming through the door. So as I said at the start, respect Belichick. I don't think that the elite quarterback play is there. I still think their defense is good. I question whether or not they can put up enough points, especially in the AFC when you see all of these offenses to really – make noise in the AFC, but I think that they're a team week to week, especially from a betting perspective. I don't want any part of betting against new England all year long, because you're going to be staring at a lot of touchdown spreads that Belichick covers, and they might squeak out a couple of wins out of it as well that you don't expect. So they're one of those teams that I'm probably going to fade all year long until they prove otherwise. Maybe Mac Jones has a down year. I don't know what it'll be, but that's a team that I'm not interested in looking at from betting wise. What do you think of the Patriots? Uh, so everything you said is right on, and I'll touch on. Now I will say that as much as I, 
don't like Bill O'Brien as a coach. He is a huge upgrade to the New England offense this yeah. year. The defense is going to be awesome. Belichick is a great defensive coach. They have really good talent. Um, like you said, they're going to be a – I don't – they're not a contender. Like, that's obvious. They're not a contender. But no team is going to – like, they're going. They're actually going to probably get beat soundly in some games, but it's still not going to be easy. And they're going to up – they're going to kind of like – the, the way I looked at it, they're, they're a fly in the ointment the whole year. Like they're going to, when I looked at the kind of way I break it down is I look at every, you know, the schedule of all these teams and I look at New England, I'm like, they're going to knock off either Miami once or Buffalo once or the Jets once. Like they're not, they're not getting swept, but you know, by this division, like Belichick's yeah. a great game planner uh, with injuries and all that. Uh, weather. So you know, we saw it a couple years ago. What was it? The the windy game. I don't know if anybody remembers that. <laughs> oh, yeah. and, and they're just like they just figured it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that. And that's the advantage you have when you have the great. I'll just say it: the greatest coach in NFL history. Like you have yeah. that advantage. But the quarterback position, you know, I don't know. I don't. Maybe Mac Jones takes a step forward with O'Brien you know, after taking a step back last year. And then we're like, oh my gosh, this is actually a pretty good receiving core as far as mm -hmm. depth and as far as across the board. So like they actually do have some options and there's going to be some games in like September, October to where they look really good. But we just consistently see Mac Jones, like when things break down, that's when he kind of like falters, which is what you see the great quarterbacks. Like you see the Allens, the Burroughs, even the Tua's, the Mahomes, that's when they're like, okay, now it's my time. You know, like I, I heard a quote, you know, earlier today, the first three seconds on the coaches after that, that's the quarterback. That's where Jones starts to kind of falter. Uh, you know, especially when you start hearing stuff out of camp being like, oh, people are like zappy. I'm like, well, if they, if you, if you even think for a second, the zappy might take the job, then obviously you don't have a quarterback, yeah. you know? So I just, I think the thing is they're just not quite there on as far as like, you know, that that edge that you need to like finish off these games, the comeback drives. And if you don't have that in the NFL, if you don't have one of these top 10 guys, you're, you're going to lose those squeakers. So, you know, essentially like, just like last year, I think they're going to be like pushing the 500 team. I, you're not going to want to play them. You're going to know yeah. you played them afterwards, but they're never going to have that lead to where the defense can really pin their ears back. And that really, as opposed to where like Miami, Buffalo, even the Jets at time to time are going to have a couple touchdowns and have that offense like on the bench and their defense is going to be able to really go at them and yeah. take some chances. And then all of a sudden you get a tip ball here, a defensive touchdown there. It's a blowout. So where New England's going to have to focus every game as if it's the Super Bowl because I'll be, you know, they're not going to be up more than they're not going to be up more than probably 10 points in any game. So yes, is it, can that defense win a game? Yes, but they're going to have to focus so much more on it. And um, it's kind of a personnel thing, really. Yeah. Like it's just, uh, it's, I they don't know. They're a step behind at a lot of key. There positions. you go. I, that's what I was just getting ready to say. They just because, feel, they feel like five Juju years behind division, the NFL. Juju in this division, you look at him as he's the number uh, two guy on every other team, if not the number three, especially in Miami. And that's that's tough to that's tough yeah. to go up against. As much as we we love to talk about, it, don't pay your skill guys as much as they're getting paid now. Um, yeah. Juju is he, he's a number two. He looked pretty solid in that Kansas City offense, but it was 
off week, on week, off week, on yep. week. And you can't be that as a number one in the NFL. And, and like, and, and again, he was in a position to where he had to make two plays a game as to where at New England. They're going to be looking at him a lot. It's going to exactly. be eight, maybe nine targets that he's looking yep. at, seven, eight. You're going to be like, oh, man, like Juju's going to have some weeks where, yeah, he hauls in six for 95 and a touchdown, but he's going to have a few where it's two for 15, and you're like, oh, boy. Like, and, yeah, and, if, and, if, and if Jones starts, you know, we'll, we'll see. Maybe Bill O'Brien's a genius and he fixes all this, but it kind of feels like a situation where Mac Jones is going to be like kind of start look, like fall in love with that guy and start really just throwing it at him. And so, like, if you tell me Juju's going to have nine catches and 80 yards, I believe you. Yeah. One thing that I'm going to kind of make a bit of a prediction on, and it's not even a Belichick's getting fired situation. Cause I think that's nuts. Um, every fan base loves to panic at about the month mark when they yeah. start. Oh, and four, possibly one and three and Patriots fans are no different. It happens yep. with every organization that has even reasonable expectations. I mean, if you're the commanders this year, you're like, if we start 0-4, like, that's just, that's what we're expecting. We're starting Sam Howell or Jacoby Brissett. Yeah. But when you look at New England and having to open up with Ooh. Eagles, Dolphins, on the road against the Jets and on the road against Dallas, that's yeah. going to become a reality pretty quickly. And yep. the the schedule gets easier as, as the year goes on. You get the Raiders, you get the Commanders, you, you start to play some of these more teams that are on your level and they're going to be fine at the end of the year. They may get yep. close to 500, probably going to be under it, but there will come a time where we will see on ESPN October 2nd, because that's the day after the Cowboys game where they're going to ask the question of is yep. Bill washed up. And, 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 it's cr and it's crazy because we just talked about the personnel and how they are a step behind in pretty much every category on the offensive side, we'll say, because yeah. on the defensive side, they're, they're really solid. good on defense. Yeah, They've got a bottom 12 quarterback. They've got running backs. I like Stevenson. Um, I think Robinson's a nice addition, but again, then you're looking at Juju. You've got Gasicki. These are all weapons that are okay, but they'll be in that struggling out of the gate and it's going to be a crazy ESPN segment. Yep. I can see Stephen A on first take talking about, <laughs> Bill needs to retire and yeah. it's going to be horrendous to watch but, and I won't watch it, but I'm sure I will see it on the timeline and say, wow, I can't believe that we're really talking about firing the best coach in NFL history because he just doesn't have the talent that he once had. It's crazy. Some of it, some of it, it's a little fair because Belichick has put so much of yeah. this personnel in order and like the, here's what you're really, what's really going to kick up and everything you just said, the next conversation is like, how much did Brady have to do with the dynasty? <laughs> because essentially what we're talking about here, if you put Tom Brady and I'm, I'll even go so far as to say, if you put 46 year old Tom Brady on this team, they're better. Yeah. Let, let alone 30 year old Tom Brady. So like, you know, that that's going to be the conversation for the year, but that doesn't matter. Uh, no. I agree with everything you said that I look, when I look, I go look at the schedule. I'm like, wow, that's a tough beginning. They're more than likely two and six, you know, out of the first eight. They're going to, that means they're out of the playoffs. So then the rest of the year, then that becomes. Then, then they start getting some moral victories. Yep. And, they and then it becomes like, then it becomes though, like, this is where the rubber meets the road when you have these coaches like this. I've seen it happen with Bill Parcells a couple times. So is Belichick, why would he care 
whether Mac Jones is the future if he knows that he's not the future. So then this is where stuff gets really messy mid-season as to where Belichick's like, Belichick might be like, I've got, we'll say, eight games left. I just want to win six of them. I do not care who's my quarterback as to where, like, if you're the owner, you're like, who's our quarterback next season? That's yeah. when things are going to start getting ugly in New England. So, and, like, And they might make the decision that they don't like Mac, they don't like Zappi, and yeah. then you look at the two quarterbacks coming out in next year's draft, and they say it every year that there's transcendent quarterbacks, and then we get to right. the draft, and then maybe you get a Lawrence in there, but most of the time you get a Stroud, Bryce Young type yeah. draft. Who knows how that's going to look in, in you know, eight months' time. But when we look at – we were talking even before we went live about what I hate about future bets. And one of them is I hate doing the season-long bets. The only one that I usually entertain is when it comes to regular season win totals. Okay. And the main reason why is – if I look at a team and I see them not having a chance of getting to that number by two games, then I'll unload on it. I the totally one that agree. I looked at with was New England at minus one forty under seven and a half. And here's what's me, fun. Here's here's what they're a five or six win team because we just talked about yep. they're going to be at the midway point, probably two and six, best case scenario three and five, yep. and then you've closed with Buffalo and the Jets both of which will probably be fighting for a playoff spot. You've got Kansas City in there. You've got the Chargers in there. Yeah. And if they have said the ship has sailed, then I just don't see a scenario where yeah. they come back from that. And when you have this division, as much as we ragged on Rodgers, as much as we talked about the two injury concerns, those are teams that they're looking at nine wins would be and they're good personnel too to where even their backup quarterback is probably going to be close to as good as your starting quarterback it's not like yeah. you know what i'm saying like you know if mike white goes in for the dolphins they're still as good as new england they can still win games yeah so that's that's funny that you said i was i couldn't wait for you to say i I got new england at six wins so i guess yeah. i'm taking the under yeah and Obviously, Vegas thinks that as well. If I could find an alternate to take under six and a half, just because then oh. I can get into plus money territory, I think I would have to jump at it. Agreed. Because, man, that's it's a tough it's a tough schedule it's for being a, those, it's so tough for being the third best team in your division last year. And and, and, Bella, and Belichick, better. like we don't know his mentality. He might just to prove a point. He might go out and try to give up the least points in the league regardless of how many games he loses. And I know people think I'm crazy for saying that, but like he's done everything he needs to do as far as winning. Yeah. So like if you tell me this guy like at the end of the year New England's going to give up the least points in the league and win 5 games, I believe you because you can slow down a game that way. You can muddle up a game that way. Like you can, you know, you can just keep like there's so many things you can do, you know, to manipulate the game that that that's how I kind of think the season is going to go. Okay, so let's recap. So Buffalo was first last year, then you had the Dolphins, then you had New England, now you have the Jets. So let's start at the bottom. Okay. We'll give our predictions for the year. I think we've kind of yeah, played four. Um, you have them at six wins. That's kind of where I have them. Yeah. I think best case scenario is seven. I don't think that seven wins. I don't see either any of the other three teams yeah. being that low. So I think... By default, and what's crazy is a six-seven win team in most divisions is like the third best team. Is in is it has a chance late, but yeah, yeah. But I just I think that the ship will have sailed early. They maybe scrap out some wins late in the year. They push it to six or seven. So 
We're both on the same page with New England now, third spot. And and I'm curious because I'll ask you who your third spot is, and then I'll give you the over-under win total, and you tell me where you think that they are. So who's your third in the East? I've actually got the Jets third at 9-8 okay. and eight, um, just because – I went through the schedule and I really just everything I said negative about Rogers. I'm standing by. I think that there could be a few games sat out um, late in the season. If things start, especially after taking the pay cut and stuff, like if things look a little shaky week 10, uh, do I think he's going to play out the season, you know, for, for everything to try and get in the divisional round? I don't. Um, I think that there's, I think it's going to be a disappointing, more disappointing season in New York than they think. I got him at nine and eight. So at that logic, under nine and a half at minus one oh six. There you have it. So my goodness. And this is one that I would not recommend. Vegas has them at nine and a half. Yeah. It's it's not and I shouldn't say Vegas. It's not Vegas anymore. That's just a way we say it. I don't know if you guys say it in Canada that way, but yeah, we I I think it's pretty universal. The sharps. The sharps. Yeah, the the sharps have it at that. That's amazing. I mean, that's the crazy part about betting now is when you have dozens of books all over the world. Right. Um, you can shop the lines. You can look for great value. I use BetStamp for those out there that are looking for a site that gives you where are the best odds because sometimes you can make a lot more money doing that. But Jets nine and a half, I just I wouldn't play it because I see I see nine and eight, but I also see ten and seven. You can easily steal one. Vegas just they nailed where the line should be yeah. because. Because nine and eight could sneak in as the seven. It could sneak in as the seven in the AFC. Do I oh, think yeah. you probably have to get to ten? I would I would think so when you start going down. And this is also where I don't like making these regular season ones until a little bit closer. Obviously, injuries play a factor, but when you start thinking about uh a team like the Jets that's gonna have so many tough games throughout the year, and not every team can go over. And that's what people forget is they look at that line and say, yeah, but I see them going 10 and seven. Okay. Well, if the Jags are going 10 and seven and the Dolphins are going 10 and seven and the Jets are and the Ravens are like, so are a lot of teams then going three and 14? Thank you so much for saying that. When I do my predictions every year, I do the grid. So I make sure that like when I did this, I'm like, well, if I got, let's say if I have new England winning six, that means they had to beat six teams. So like, yeah. So a lot of times people will come up with, I do college football. I used to, that's how I did it every year. I'm like, well, every like Michigan and Ohio state can't both be undefeated. Yeah. That's why I've always so like, you know what I'm saying? The loss. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, where's the loss count for it? So that's, that's how why, I came. That's how I came up with New York at nine. I feel better about myself. I thought you for sure you were going to say like 11 or 12, but no. I'm glad that they don't buy into it any more than I do. I feel so much better about it now. Like, I still think that they're third. I would probably lean nine and eight with you. Again, I don't love it enough to bet it um, unless I'm getting plus money there. Maybe you get an injury in camp that helps you kind of skew the lines a bit. That's also why it's terrible on August 3rd. to 10 wins in this division is going to be hard. And that's where I have Miami. So I think that they're a a 10 and seven team. I think that obviously, as we've said, we're, we're counting on Tua plays the full year like any yeah. other player in the league. If he plays a full season, I think 10 and 7, potentially 11 and 6. So I would have the over 9.5 at minus 105, which Vegas actually has them slightly favored to go under. But again, I think that Vegas, and I'm saying this not knowing uh, what they're thinking, but the Jets and Dolphins 
are such a toss up. Like, yeah, that's what it felt like, honestly, last year with New England and Miami. It felt like they were both sitting at, I think it was eight and a half. Yeah. And you're like, okay, who's going nine and eight and who's going eight and nine? It's probably going to come down to their head to heads. And that's what ultimately happens. So I think and that's what put situation. And that's what put me at Miami. I went 11 and six, which was a little high, but it was specifically because of the new England thing. That's where I came up with the extra victory is that I, since I knocked new England down to six wins, that put me at Miami at 11. Uh, it's that, that that's crazy, but it's just, it's just one of those things. Like it, it looks like they could accidentally win a couple more games because of talent than, than ever before. So I just gave him that one extra victory. I was 10 and seven. I've been 10 and seven all this time. And I'm like, I think they can win 11. Yeah. If there was a 16 game schedule, I would say 10 and six. Yeah, I would agree there. And then we've got Buffalo both at the top. I'm a little bit surprised by the Vegas line of only having Buffalo 10 and a half. And oh, they're, it's, it's now so it's they slanted, really like the NFC East is it's what, slanted that's what they're pretty telling us. heavily for the over. I think it's minus 145 is where they have it right now on, on bet 99. But I feel like if you took it to 11 and a half, you would get into the plus money, but I don't think I would like it enough to take it because we just talked about they're going to play 12 very tough games and they're a really good football team. So do could I see them going eight and four over those games? Sure. But there's always that game where you slip up that you don't yeah. see on the schedule that happens where you just don't have it that week. So there, that gets you to five Man. losses. And then you probably have one other one mixed in. And then now we're talking about them being, 11 and six still winning the division at 11 and six or 12 and five, but it's, it's going to be a very tough schedule for them all year round. That's what happens when you get that first place schedule. And that's what I love about, you know what? I I kind of forgot about the first place schedule and I'm, I'm always a stickler on that. I got Buffalo at 12 and uh, 12 and five, but I always forget about the, the first place schedule is just ridiculous. Well, as we pointed out, you look at the division. Plus with the NFC East. And then you get probably two of the three best teams in the NFC on your schedule, plus having to play Chargers and you got to play Chiefs and Bengals. Like, it's it's You know what? Now that you mention that, I would take whatever I thought Buffalo. I would take Buffalo down to 11. And whatever Cincinnati, I would take – Cincinnati and Kansas City down a game just because that first place schedule is miserable. I'm curious. I can't wait to hear the rest of your shows to see to to see what that is. But I I kind of overlooked that when I was doing it, and um I'm usually really good about that. That first place schedule kills you. Yeah, but Jeff, I want to thank you so much for coming on. It was a really blast. Appreciate man. it. It was great. We are just over a month away from the NFL season kicking off. Surprising opening game for me. Um really goes to show how high people are on Detroit. The fact that we are talking about the lions opening up. I'm taking the Detroit, whatever the win total is, I'm taking the under. I'm just tipping tipping my hat. No offense to Detroit, but people are Detroit and the jets. People are really on. And I'm like, eh, I need to see it. Yeah. As much as they focused on the, the defense in the draft, there was also a lot of, "Quote unquote questionable picks on draft. Be drafted a running back first. <laughs> that makes you you really wonder. So go and check out Jeff's stuff. Jeff, promote yourself. What have you got going on? 
Uh, did a lot of stuff. I'm doing a lot of guest appearances right now. Um, I'm, you know, I'm at J hunt double six on Twitter doing shows with, uh, you know, Jay Stevens over at the locked on Buckeyes. I did stuff with Stuart Brooking. You can go back and listen to his uh, morning brew with Stu quarterback rankings. Um, I got, I got a ton of stuff coming up, you know, through, through the summer, you know, football stuff. So uh, what I always tell everybody is just keep up with the off the ball network. You know, the stuff will show up, you know, the, uh, re, post whatever we're going to call it now whatever but if you just follow on the off the ball network i'm going to show up i'm available you know come at me and uh, i just want to thank kenneth for having me on this is the first time we did a solo show in a long time and it's been a blast really appreciate you coming on definitely as jeff said check out off the ball network stuff we've got football and chill uh rob's going to be recording a lot of nice. stuff this weekend which is going to be a ton of fun i can't wait for that go check out Stu's qb rankings as much as i love to give him a hard time uh, I thought that he did a really good job. I think Here's what's funny. Really Stu well. was, once I hear all the pros, Stu was close. Yeah. He, he, he truly put a lot of work into it. And, and I just love busting his balls, but he did a really good job with his list. Yeah. A lot of great stuff coming. There's going to be see you Sunday overreaction Monday again. Oh, nice. Mulling over, bringing back bets on bets on bets on Sundays as well. We'll see it. We'll see what we've got in the cards as well on NFL Sundays. So you're going to want to keep an eye out for that. Um, check out our great sponsors as well. Last Mountain Distillery. Check out Bet99. Use code shooters at sign up to help support the show. And we really appreciate everyone who listens to the show. And we'll see you guys next time for the Competitive Hedge.